Ontario's Financial Accountability Office has found $4.4 billion extra in healthcare spending. Second company ever is given a deferred prosecution agreement after it bribed Philippine officials. It looks like Stellantis is getting its blood money. Ukraine's Minister of Defense pleads for weapons directly to Canada's arms industry lobby group. And a family of 15 has died in Namibia after consuming toxic porridge. Good morning. It's Thursday, June 1st. I'm Nora coming to you from St. John, New Brunswick. And here are your headlines. Ontario's Financial Accountability Office has found that there is $4.4 billion more than what Ontario has said it needs to fund the healthcare system. The review of expenditures looks at spending over three years, and the extra $4.4 billion comes from the extra $15.2 billion that the Ford government added to the budget in 2023 for healthcare. The government had estimated that it would have a $10 billion shortfall. So, I guess, good work, Financial Accountability Office. The article written by Catherine de Klerk is a bit strange. It focuses on the need to increase spending because of, quote, higher than expected wage settlements, unquote. There's a comment about how it could be also spent on more wages, new programs, or, quote unquote, addressed other spending pressures. But that if the money isn't spent, it would just go to the province's debt. The reason why I find it so strange is because it writes as if this is kind of like bad news to have to spend it on more wages for the workers in the sector who had higher than what was expected by the government, which were low expectations, wage settlements. Where the article gets particularly weird is with Bill 124. That's the bill that tried to limit public sector workers' wages to just 1% increases and sidestepped collective bargaining. The bill is currently before the courts, and the way that DeClerc has written the article, it sounds like it's a bad thing if the government was forced to spend some of that extra $4.4 billion on higher wages. Because the court is adjudicating the legislation right now, it very well could be the case that an additional quote-unquote $2.7 billion of this extra money might be spent on wages, which is a funny way to make it sound bad, that they found extra money and good news, they might have extra expenses in the form of higher wages. Below all of this is a section about the increased private spending that Ontario has designated for healthcare. The province has promised to spend $200 million to expand community surgical and diagnostic centres. Of that, $62 million is going to private clinics. That is an increase of 106% in spending over the last year. That is in my mind, is a far bigger story than the fact that they might have to spend more money on wages because they sidestepped collective bargaining and unfairly imposed a contract of 1% increases across the public sector. To oversee these private clinics, Leclerc reports that the government will also expand bureaucracy by creating quote-unquote expert organizations to ensure that quality and safety standards are met. One wonders who will profit off of all these committees. Of course, if you're serving on these committees, you'll probably get at least a stipend or maybe you'll be able to use it to parlay yourself into higher, more important medical 
positions within the province. It creates a whole new level of bureaucracy to reinforce the class structure. Importantly, though, Ontarians won't be paying out of pocket at these clinics, making the privatization by stealth more difficult to organize around because average people might not even notice that they're at a private clinic. Next to Quebec, where Ultra Electronics Forensic Technology Incorporated has just received a deferred prosecution agreement over bribing Philippine officials. They sell ballistic identification technology to police forces. You might remember that a deferred prosecution agreement with SNC-Lavalin over their corruption charges was at the heart of the struggle between Jody Wilson-Raybould and Justin Trudeau. Deferred prosecution agreements were added to the criminal code in 2018, quote, to address corporate wrongdoing. With a deferred prosecution agreement, a company is not prosecuted in Canada for corruption crimes. In this case, Ultra Electronics Forensic Technology promised millions of dollars in bribes to politicians and tried to get lucrative police contracts, reports CTV News' Daryl Greer. Here's what the deferred prosecution agreement entails, says CTV News. Quote, the latest agreement requires the Montreal firm to pay about $10.5 million, cooperate with investigations, report to prosecutors about implementing the agreement, and abide by anti-bribery and corruption program overseen by an external auditor hired at the firm's expense, unquote. So for a bunch of money and the promise to not break the law, they get to avoid prosecution. The company says that they have significantly improved their internal processes and no one who was with the company five years ago who did the corruption is still with the company today. The charges were laid back in September 2022. The RCMP charged Ultra Electronics Forensic Technology with fraud and bribery under the Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act. Robert Walsh, Philip Timothy Heaney, René Belanger, and Michael McLean are still facing charges, as individuals cannot have deferred prosecution agreements. Those are only for corporations. The bribery scheme was to secure $17 million in contracts, and it happened from 2006 until 2018. Commission payments that were bribes totaled more than $4 million. There's more news this morning from the Canada is three corporations in a trench coat department. News broke yesterday that Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford have reached a tentative grill that could be, quote, worth $13 billion in subsidies, unquote, with Stellantis to keep the EV battery plant in Windsor. The deal was leaked through anonymous sources. The deal promises more than 3,000 jobs and up to 10,000 jobs if spin-off jobs are counted. These numbers are, of course, somewhat meaningless because it doesn't seem like if the jobs created fell under that number, the subsidies would end. The factory will be building the module portion of the next Star Energy battery. In case you're wondering, the subsidy of $13 billion for 3,000 jobs is an individual investment of about $4.3 million per job. Remember, we're talking about billions here, which is a massive number. And yes, that is represented by $4.3 million if they do, in fact, create those 3,000 jobs. Today's episode is almost wall-to-wall corporate profit coverage. So let's continue on this thread. CBC's Murray Brewster is reporting that Ukraine's defense minister, Olesky Reznikov, spoke to the trade show of the Canadian Association of Defense and Security. He told them that Ukraine urgently needs military equipment. 
Reznikov said that Ukrainian officials have been frustrated that they aren't getting weapons faster from Canada. Brewster reports that they've been lobbying Canada, quote, behind closed doors to set up a more structured system and to give Ukraine direct access to the Canadian defense establishment, unquote. Reznikov appealed to Canada's fear of Russia's global influence and said, quote, Ukraine is now performing the mission that NATO was created for. Ukraine is Europe's shield in the east from the Russian threat. We are destroying the military power that was targeting European values and freedoms. Fewer Russian weapons means fewer Russian influences, unquote. Anita Anand, who's the Minister of Defense, had spoken to open the conference but was not present for Reznikov's video speech. And I also just want to give a shout out to The Breach. They tried to get media accreditation for this conference and were told that they were uneligible. Their journalism is too aggressive and critical. So, of course, there's no free speech when it comes to the arms industry. And finally to Namibia, where 15 people in the same family have died after eating toxic porridge. It happened in Koyova, a village in the north of the country. There were 21 members of the same family who had gathered to share the meal, reports Agence France Presse. They all became ill and were rushed to hospital, according to police. The theory is that they ingested porridge that had been made from grains that were used in the fabrication of homemade alcohol. Local elected representative Laurentius McCoya said that some people are so impoverished that they sometimes eat leftover grains from beer manufacturing, and those grains can be toxic. There's an investigation into what exactly the family ate that caused such a tragedy. Those are your headlines for Thursday, June 1st. I'm Nora. I hope you have a good day.